Hi, I'm Felicia. And I'm Ryan. And, and this, this is Imzadi Podcast. <sighs> what the ep- flux was that? I know, this episode. I feel like it didn't really need to happen, to be honest. Like, all of the important things that did happen in this episode could have been in other episodes, like, probably squeezed in there. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would like to elaborate as well and add to what you were saying by saying that I have been defending this uh, experiment in format and form since the start. Yes. I was very kind to the first episode. Yes. And I defended the second episode at first before you convinced me that it was a pile of Sontara and excess waste. Yes, yes. Um, so this one, um, this one actually broke me and um, had a little bit of meltdown. <laughs> like one point towards the end. Um <laughs> yeah, you just like disassociated. I did. Just, like where am I? What's going on? No. It shattered um, me into a million pieces. <laughs> it really did. Um so That was our dog by the way. Yeah, she's sneezing. You, yeah, if you heard like a little cough. Her name is Luna and she's yeah. very precious. Yeah. She's our, our little she's um, our, she likes Carvanista a lot. Yeah. She's nice. She's really happy about the representation. She's our Lupari. Mm. Our Lunari. <laughs> our Lupar. I think they're the Lupari and then it's like a Lupar. It's just like one. Maybe. I'm not sure. I don't want to assume. Yeah, yeah. Never assume. Never assume. <laughs> um, um, yeah, yeah, so. But first. the title of this episode, first off. So it's once, comma. Upon a time. Uh, up, yeah, upon a time. So. Upon time. <laughs> yeah, once, upon time. Once, comma, upon time. That's the title. It's not upon a time? No. Oh my god, that's even worse then. Okay. It's, yeah, it is. So, you have to like pause because of that comma. So it's just like once. Hang on, let's try. So we have what we call the, um, the Pertwee test. Mm-hmm. Where um, I do um, the title of it in like a silly Pertwee test voice. Yes. And uh, we're going to do that right now. Um, So, uh, Doctor Who and Once Upon Time. Fail. Yeah. It's a big fail, unfortunately. Yeah. Whereas Doctor Who and the Halloween Apocalypse is a banger of a title. Yeah, you go by that test. And you know what else? Doctor Who and the War of the Sontarans. Also bagger of a title if you run by this test. This one, however, failed that test and therefore gets a 1 out of 10. Yeah. On that reasoning alone and no other reason. <laughs> no, okay, now that, that, for real, for real, for real, for real, um, this one was horrifying on so many levels and like, I feel like such a chump for like, investing emotion into this series and hoping it would be better. Yeah. Like, I um, feel... I, I knew that it wasn't going to be good. But I'm, I'm watching it because... Yeah, but you're smarter than I am. to watch it, but... As well. Um, so that's an important factor there, clearly. Do you want to start off with um, how you feel about Belle and her segments throughout the episode? Yeah, um, it feels to me 
like someone broke into the editing suite after the episode was filmed and inserted their own fan fiction into yeah. the story. Yep. I think I just picture someone like hee 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 over like, <laughs> like a reel of film and they're just like carefully cutting it. Yeah. Like, putting their their little Doctor Who fanfic and <laughs> um I've come up with a name as well. What's they're that? um Belvin. Belvin. That's their couple name. Belvin. <laughs> <laughs> Um, one thing I'll say, though, is I enjoy the, um, view of someone in the aftermath of the Flux. I think the concept is good. I think the execution leaves a lot to be desired. I kind of wish we saw more people, like, not just those two people who got killed by the Remnants, just to make a point. Yeah, but that would cost money. Mm-hmm. And they're already stretching it. Those Daleks look bad. Oh very yeah, it was well bad. because they only it looked like they only had one real one and they like just CGI'd the other ones. It just reminded me of all those like Doctor Who fan films that are filmed in the woods. Yeah. That opening. Which is not a diss on those because like a lot of those are wonderful. Mm-hmm. But this was not wonderful. This was Oh, I can't even think of a, the correct neg- negative adjective. Like, I don't... <laughs> and I don't just want to say variations on, like, bad. Yeah. I want to give reasons and justify Because, like, I know there's a huge hate mob that just hate this on principle. Mm-hmm. And I think it's wrong to just hate it on principle. I think it's right to, like, have good reasons to hate it. Yeah. <clears throat> That's where I feel with it. And, like, if I was to... I can't even put into order all the things that, like, really, really mess me up about this one. Like, it's actually got me, like, feeling angry. <laughs> I, I feel like... The... Alright, so I'm gonna... I'm just gonna run down my list. Okay, the first thing. Um, the lack of creativity in this is astounding for something that presents itself as experimental and avant-garde and new for the series. There is nothing new in here except for the stupid actor-switching gimmick. Yeah... And even that is just pilfered from other sci-fi shows. You know, like... one one thing I wish um, when the Doctor had went back in her own time stream and were with the Fugitive Doctor. Oh yeah, spoiler alert for all of this, by the way. Not that it matters. Oh no, uh, because well, like no one watched this apparently. I I so... do this with the thought that someone's already watched the episode. And they're just looking for someone else's take on it. So I just kind of flow freely with it. But what I was saying when um, she goes back in her time stream, mm-hmm. um, we only know that one's a Lupari. Or a Lupar, whatever. Um, I want to know who Vinder and Yaz are. Yeah, I know. I'm really curious, and I'm sure we'll we'll probably find out. I but... think that Dan is the master. You think so? Yeah. After all, what's the point of being alive? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I let you do it. And... Uh, you gave me that opening, and I, I, I sunk right in. You knew I was going to do it. I've been obsessed with those Evil Dan videos on YouTube. I really hope you know what I'm talking about. If you don't look up Evil Dan on YouTube, Doctor Who. Yes, please do Please it. do, they're great. They are amazing. They are certainly better than this. Oh my goodness. 
I will say that um, a lot more creativity went into them. I'm that's um, for sure. I'm wondering why Yaz <coughs> is the only one to see the weeping angel until like the very end. Like, I mean, I know the doctor is aware of the weeping angel and knows that Yaz has now seen it. But why is Yaz exclusively seeing it through her time stream? I wonder. Is it just... Because, I mean, you could say it might be because she's been traveling with the doctor the longest. Maybe she's got some, some time energy on her. Okay. But Dan has been in the TARDIS now. You know what I mean? Like, and Dan has his own thing going on because there's still something special about him that we still don't know. I have this sinking feeling that nothing's going to be explained until the last episode and it's all going to be crammed in there. They've explained, I, I don't know, I feel like they've explained way too much in this one. I don't think there's any mystery anymore. Personally, well, about like, certain things, not about necessarily well, we're gonna the characters. Get into that. Yeah. It's more about what where, characters. Where <laughs> No, for real. What characters? They're just vehicles to like move the plot along. Yeah, I know. Like the doctor's character arc is just revealing pieces of information that she didn't know about herself. That's not even a character arc. This is the least defined version of the doctor we've ever seen. Even less defined than like early eight when they just gave him amnesia over and over again and had him randomly kiss people because those were his only character traits that were distinctive in the TV movie. Yeah. That's what I feel like is going on here. And, alright, alright, so I'm gonna... Before I get completely discombobulated out of sheer, like... Anger, I guess. I don't know if there's any other word to put it than anger, and I hate to say that, man, because I love this franchise so, so much, but... I know you do. Anger... Alright, this is Chris Chibnall's attempt to write a big, clever Stephen Moffat episode. There is so much Moffat swaggerjacking in this. Yes. Right? That it is... And it's done in such, like, a crazy way. Yeah, like, I know. <clears throat> in such an, an audacious, in all the wrong ways. I think right now way. would be a good moment to point out um, the similarities in Bill's little love speech and um, that was Oh also... what you mean uh, love love is an emo- is not an emotion it's a promise yes and I know that he will never hurt her hey PE catch you mean that speech that Bell gives? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. That's one. That's a, that, that's yeah, a, that's a good example. A good example that's like pan series. Yeah. Okay. Yaz is Clara now. A bit, yeah. You know that, oh, she's emulating the Doctor in all the wrong ways and it leads to her taking foolish risks. Yeah. And she's probably going to get killed by a weeping angel, which is why it's following her through her time stream. That's yeah. That's of that. That would be a guess. That's just an assumption. Yeah, because, I mean, I guess it's already happened, technically, because Claire knew who the Doctor was in Yaz. So, I guess that that does make sense. I've worked it out, everybody. Wibbly-wobbly-timey-wimey. Yeah, I just had to really talk it out, and that's ridiculous. I'm impressed that Chris Chibnall's restraint at not just using that phrase in this story, to be honest. Well done. <laughs> well done, Chippers. 
Um, so I wanted to learn more about Vinder and the Grand Serpent. I did too. I liked uh, the Grand Serpent quite a bit, actually. Yeah. I thought that that was a bit, that this is the thing. Like, there's there's some ideas in here that are genuinely interesting, but they're either like horribly executed or get no time to breathe at all. Like the Grand Serpent thing that kind of needed its own episode. Yeah, that's the whole problem with this is that everything's getting crammed into these episodes, and there's not enough time to develop each thought. It's just, this is like someone's mind, like a racing mind. <laughs> That's what this episode is. It's like someone's it's a, mind on cocaine. It's a Doctor Who fan's mind on cocaine. On cocaine, on lots and 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 lots of cocaine. I bet they feel like they're a hundred feet tall right now. It's Matt Smith. what it's like this is your brain on matt smith oh so <laughs> another yeah, thing yeah, yeah. i wanted to point out um so you were talking about like inconsistencies and whatnot um so the fugitive doctor you have said is supposed to be before the first doctor yeah it's supposed to be pre-william hartnell yeah, alright, let's just focus discussion on that part of the episode so we don't get jumbled for a bit. Carry on, carry on. Okay, so why is the Doctor using Nitro 9? Is it Nitro 9? I thought it was just Nitro. I mean, come on. I mean, it's, it's clearly a, a reference. Yeah, it's a very clear nod. I think the bigger issue for me would be why is the Fugitive Doctor traveling around in a TARDIS that looks like a police box? Yeah. And also, how did Vinder recognize the TARDIS when it was the police box? I think um, the fear, one of the theories that I've seen with Vinder and Belle, and I hope that this isn't true, but... It's the, they are the Doctor's mother and father. I don't think that's true. I think that's, that's too much. I feel like we're beyond that now. We live in a post-too-much world. <laughs> yeah, after this episode? I don't even think this episode, like, I know this one, like, broke me on this season, but I think we've passed that line, like, a while ago. I mean, like, for, for some people, it's, like, different things. Like, for some people, it was the Timeless Child, and it was, like, ruining the Doctor's backstory. Yeah. For some people, it was the idea of introducing a potentially pre-Hartnell incarnation of the Doctor that, like, broke them and, like, got them on the air train. Yeah. For me, personally, it was the Nazi moment. Yeah. That was what, like, completely was, like, our cable is off. Mm-hmm. Just off. No. Like the sniffer. Off, yeah. <laughs> We've been on a real like thick of it trip lately. Yeah, watch the thick, thick of it. It's mm -hmm. Really good. It is really good. It's a lot. It's a lot better than this. <laughs> um, and for some people, it was just the Doctor being a woman in the first place. Which yeah. I, mean, I think that's a bit wrong-headed, but that's just my opinion. No, I agree with you. 
I think the Doctor can absolutely be a woman. I just think that, that we yeah, haven't found just, the right one yet. Yeah, you have to find the right actor. And honestly, I don't think Joe Martin is the right actor either. I'm not... Uh, well, she's way better. She is than... way better. <laughs> but, alright, here's the thing about Joe Martin, right? Yeah. She's really good at doing, like, the commanding, tough presence. Yeah. I don't think she can do the eccentricity. Because even John Pertwee, who I would say is the toughest, most commanding Doctor... Mm-hmm. He still said hello and how'd you do in, in Delphon with his eyebrows. <laughs> he is still like singing to himself while he was working on Bessie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he still had that kind of like very old worldy, like English eccentric gentlemanly charm that I feel like both 13 and. I don't have a number, I guess, the Fugitive Doctor, the Holby yeah. City Doctor. <laughs> That's one for our British. Fans. Um, <laughs> I guess um, they don't have that like X Factor, and like there's a lot of um, there's a lot of women who do. I agree. Like the British television and film community. Um, so that's clearly not the issue. But I think one thing that has definitely been revealed because of that stupid gimmick, <laughs> yeah, is that Jodie is part of the problem. I think it's been disputed now. There's been a lot of arguments and a bit of divide over whether the issue with this run of Doctor Who is the writing, uh, Jodie Whittaker's acting, both, or neither. And I am now... I used to be in the camp that Jodie Whittaker was a good Doctor, but was being given bad material. Yes. Now I think it's a miscast. And the reason why is because... My issue with her doctor so far is that she's been too like passive and too vindictive and cruel. Yeah, her playing and, the fugitive doctor. Like <laughs> I didn't believe it whatsoever. And her playing the fugitive doctor is an opportunity for her to play kind of core doctor classic. Like take charge of the room, take command. Yeah, I know. Project like that kind of that kind of stuff. I know, I was just waiting for her to be like, please. Pretty please with sugar on top. Give <laughs> some cookies. Please, custard creams. <laughs> um, that that already wasn't there for me though, and that proves to me that like maybe Jodie Whittaker wasn't the right casting for this role. No, I I don't think she was. And that's a shame because like she seems like a lovely person, and everything else I've seen her in, she's been really good in. So she's definitely it's definitely not an act, actor bad problem. It's an actor wrong problem. Yeah, this is a very specific role, and if you if you can't get in that groove, which she I don't think ever has, then you're never gonna be the doctor. And I I think it's because maybe I she, think there's... she's not a big fan either. I think it's because right there's I think there's two ways to like cast a really good doctor. Okay. There's two ways to cast a really good doctor. There's two different builds, right? You either get a really, really, really well respected character actor. Yeah. And you allow them to take that journey down the line and work it out for themselves. Mm-hmm. Or you get someone who's genuinely really fucking strange. Yeah. And you just let them be themselves. Okay, yeah. And I'll give you examples in both camps, okay? Okay. Okay. First camp. William Hartnell, Patrick Troughton, Christopher Eccleston, okay. and Peter Davison as well. All really well-respected character actors 
who all did a very studied and technical take on the Doctor. Yes. Right? Let's talk about now Tom Baker, John Pertwee. Right? Yeah. They're just... Sylvester McCoy. Yeah. They're just weird people. <laughs> like, they're just really, really weird people. And that weirdness just... They just... Like, a really good thing I've heard, like a sentence said, words put in this order, right? John Pertwee played the Doctor as himself, and he found himself playing the Doctor. Yeah. I think that there's none of that in this Doctor. I agree. John Peter Capaldi is both. For the record. He, like, straddles both lines, I feel. And I feel that so does Paul McGann, actually. Peter Capaldi was a clear fan of Doctor Who. So, like, I feel like that's a real key component. I don't, because of Christopher Eccleston. Christopher Eccleston wasn't a fan? Not really, no. He was just respected it because it was, he respected its place and, like, culture and stuff. He, he, he wanted to do it because he wanted to do something for kids. Okay. Basically. Well, I mean, that that is very Doctor-esque. It is, nothing yeah. nothing else. <laughs> I love I love Chris. I'm glad that he's doing big finish again. Um, so can I steer stuff. this back, back to, to relevant um, stuff? Yeah, back I'm to sorry. The that's how bad this episode was. We're just veering off and talking about other things. Uh, well, you 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 say we, you. Is it? I don't think that's true. So anyway, I think you should all <laughs> vote on whether that's true or not. When we go in the past. So maybe, what site are we putting the poll on? Poll about whether which one of us is, is responsible for all the tangents and offshoots and stuff. What site should we put it on? I don't know. You know, I don't really like the Rani. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm trying so hard. So sorry. <laughs> I have simulating the effect that this episode had on me what I have to work with here. Yeah. Right, back on topic. Come on, we'll do this. We are professionals. Um, when we go in the past, maybe, to the Fugitive Doctor. Yeah, okay, we're and, still on um, that, yeah. We see Swarm and Azur. I would have really loved to see Azur look different. Just because Swarm had changed I know. as well. Had regenerated. <clears throat> Because they regenerate. Maybe, yeah. That that's another question as well of like, what is their process? Because we obviously saw a swarm change, but is that something within him that he can do, like, like a spell almost? You know what I'm saying? Like, just is it something that we're seeing, or is maybe that him? Is it a regeneration? I think it's a regeneration. Are they Time Lords? I don't know if they're Time Lords or not, but that's definitely a regeneration. Cause time yeah. people? <clears throat> My evidence for it being a regeneration is that the actor changes. Yeah. And he says he was renewed. Yeah. I think, And I think the reason why... Um, they actually do explain in the episode... I'm not defending it, by the way. It's no, I'm. I'm they, asking. I'm they just, do explain why there's know. not a costume change. For like, I mean, I, I wish, but I'm open to hear why. Well, yeah. Why? Because a swarm was sentenced to death. Okay. 
Okay. And Azur was sentenced to displacement of her identity. So Azur was basically chameleon arched inside a regular woman. Yeah. Like like that that good episode of Doctor Who with with David Tennant. Okay. <laughs> no, like David Tennant. <laughs> I am um, I get that. I can see that. I just I wish that when he like poked the the human woman we just got I don't know. Well, no, I like her look now, but I guess in the past I wish. But a part of me feels like it goes back to what we were saying in the last episode of like Chibnall doesn't really trust his audience to be smart enough to get things. And it's almost like, what if he did that because he thought people wouldn't recognize her? (coughs) You know what I mean? Because that's the only reason you wouldn't have her change that or maybe a budget. I think it's probably budget. It's like, need to get as much use out of that costume as they can, I guess. Um, um, can I transition this to continuing to talk about the Ravagers? Yeah, sure. Okay, uh, the Ravagers, who are Swarm and Azur, we find that out in this episode. They're explicitly called that by name several times in a weirdly low-key way. Especially yeah. after they were made a part of like the marketing and stuff in, admittedly, a very pathetic way. Mm-hmm. They were just rattled off at the end of a list. Yeah. But... In this episode. So, the Ravagers, Swarm and Azur, have been one of the... That's what I'm going to keep calling them. Yeah. Ravagers, Swarm and Azur. The Ravagers, Swarm and Azur were one of the things that really kind of kept me interested in the first couple of episodes because, like, the actors have good presences, they have interesting powers, and they had quite mysterious backstories and stuff. All that is out the window now. Gone. Bye-bye, Audi 5000. (laughs) Right, the reason why... The reason why, 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 why is because of two reasons why. Number yeah. one, that weird Matrix Reloaded scene <laughs> where um, that chick who's probably the White Guardian, I imagine, or something like that, because um, they they mentioned them in the previous season. So, you know, yeah, that's foreshadowing, kids. <laughs> um, I, she just comes in and dumps a load of information, like she dumps the world building fucking sheet of A4 that was written about the flux and swapping it just into the script like she explains that the flux is basically just a bomb yeah like it's an artificially created catastrophe yeah someone has made this yeah okay and she explains that Swarm and Azur the, the, who we assume to be the big bads of the season so far are just little little porny porties little yeah. little porny porties who don't even matter yeah, they're Team Rocket. They're Team Rocket. They're Team Rocket with, like, less glam costuming. <laughs> I don't know, that coat. I don't know, man. He should have brought that coat back. Yeah, but do they protect the world from devastation? <laughs> to unite all peoples in our nation. No, they do not. No, they, they want to kill everyone in their nation yeah they're like and other nations oh okay all okay. nations okay interesting 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 that you say that because that actually brings us on to another topic but yeah the other before that actually sorry i got completely jumbled up there there was one other thing i wanted to mention before we move on from um, the ravagers 
okay. about the Ravagers and how they're whack now. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're shit villains now. Yeah. Okay? And the reason why they are shit villains now is because, number one, we now know that they're just a tool of someone else and they have no agency of their own. Yeah. <clears throat> that makes them not characters and plot devices. They, mu- they might not. I don't. We don't know. Or they might rebel or something or whatever. They're just. Is the plot sentient? They're less characters and more agents of chaos now. Yeah. And as for whether the flux is sentient, probably because every higher order weapon is sentient in this universe. Look at the moment. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, the other point I was going to make. Yeah. Is that there's no reason to be worried about Swarm and Azure anymore because we now know that as soon as Carbonista enters a room with them, it's over. Yeah, right. I know. Carbonista, yeah, Carbonista stomps them Ow. like no difficulty. He used containment, and it was indeed super effective. Good boy, saving the day. I know he's such a good boy. Yeah, no, he's always your good boy. <laughs> I really liked that they made Dan him. Yeah, I know. (laughs) It's great. I think that this... (coughs) It was meant to be like a fun gimmick, but I feel like what ended up really happening is that a lot of the vulnerabilities of the actors... Yeah. ...and weaknesses as actors was exposed, and some people's scripts were exposed as well. Yeah. But we'll get to that last. Okay? First, John Bishop... I, I, I love you now a little, <laughs> a little bit, but mate, mate, like, oh. eye lines, eye lines, mate. <laughs> right. Second, <laughs> Jodie Whittaker is, is not a great doctor, and we learn that because of all of this, like, position switching and shit. Yeah. Unfortunate, right? Yeah. She's too normal. She's like ordinary, like an actor. Okay, that's that's her biggest problem. She's not bad. She's just normal. Yes, not right. She's good at playing. She's good at playing moms. Yeah, Yeah, which there's nothing wrong with because like every aspect of of the human condition needs to be represented in acting. I'm not saying that as a put down. She's pretty good at it. Yeah, but. She is a good actress. She was really good in that bit where she was playing Yaz's police friend. Oh yeah, I know. I love that. That, that was, was like, like my favorite that, part. <laughs> that was her best bit of acting in like this whole show. I know. It's just wonderful. I wish she would have acted like that as the doctor. I know. There's it, there is like a weird kind of disconnect there. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. Now I want to talk to the person who I feel was shown to be a much better actor than people have given them credit for. Bandit Gill as Yasmin Khan, man. (laughs) Oh my god, you know what? I'ma say it, I'ma say it. Yeah, MVP. MVP, and I'ma say it, just based on this performance alone, right? If she's allowed to keep doing this stuff, because she's been really good in the other two as well. She's been really good in the other two. Yeah, she's making an account. I think she maybe should have been the Doctor. I would have liked to see. <laughs> well, no, because <laughs> you made the comparison of her being um Clara, but I would have liked to see an episode of her having to be the Doctor. Like in Flatline. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen that as well. That would have been great. Yeah. I don't know. I I got a lot of I got a lot of respect. It's weird. 
I, I wish oh I my could, god. I wish I could time travel back in time to like last year mm-hmm. and tell last year's us that Yaz is the best companion of Thirteen's run. Smacked me in the face. I know. <laughs> like, what the hell, man? Uh, well done. Like, seriously, respect because the rest of this is garbage. But like, yeah. well done for that. That I, that alone brings it from like a one out of ten to a two out of ten. So, congrats <laughs> to I our th- MVP. I think um, Vinder should have stayed with the team. I get why. Me too. I hate that he just gets corralled away now, so it's like, why do we even care? You're going to show up probably in the finale. Yeah, I think after this next episode, he's going to show back up. I think they're just going to deal with the Weeping Angel stuff. I think it's a shame too, because it would have been fun to see, like, this, like, space companion deal with, like, Village Green Preservation Society life. Mm -hmm. That would have been, like, a lot of fun, but we can't have fun because Flux. So I want to bring up to a bit, a kind of a macro topic, okay. to kind of end this ep- this discussion out. Unless you have any other like bigger things. No, no, I had um just one thing I was gonna say. I feel like in the last ten minutes of this episode, we were in like given more questions than a baby. <laughs> more questions than a baby should have been the title of this. Yeah. Doctor Who and more questions and a baby. Nailed it. Two questions and a baby. Two questions and a baby. Because technically it was <laughs> two questions that the old lady has presented. Babe, 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 babe. The three doctors and a baby. <laughs> okay, so I want to bring it on to the macro topic. Alright, yeah, yeah, um, I, I, I'm done. I'm done fooling around here. We're going to talk about fan fiction for a second. We love a good fan fiction. We do love a good fan fiction. This is where we're going to plug our show, uh, Something Blue Doctor Who, where I play the 42nd Doctor and Felicia here. I uh, play uh, Nora. Nora Watson. I'm a companion. We finished our first season. We just did a Halloween special. We're going to do a Christmas special. We're coming back with a second season in March. You should check it out. We got show. We got Rootins. We got Adipose. We got Cybermen. We got some fun stuff coming next year. Yeah, we got, I'm excited for it. I'm excited for Nora it. gets some shine. Oh yeah, it's going to be very heavily Nora focused. Yeah, so if you like my character, if you already listen to Something Blue. Yeah, um, and if you don't, you really, really should. I think I'll put a link in the description, I think actually. I'll make sure that you do like it. And if you don't, well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess there's nothing I can do, really. <laughs> That's the end of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah. Go on to your micro topic. Let's, uh, let's Ma- wrap macro this up. Macro topic. Macro? Macro topic. Because it's encompassing various things. Okay. It brings, right. It ties together a lot of what we've been talking about as well. We're going to talk about fan fiction, right? And what we're going to talk about specifically with fan fiction is both the elements of fan fiction in this and just some interesting stuff that I noticed okay yeah not necessarily criticism so much as just stuff and i would like for you to actually start this off because i know you wrote something in your notes oh about bell yeah oh okay i think i know where you're going with that yeah 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 yeah, yeah. what did you write um so i definitely wrote in capital letters actually (laughs) that um she 
Oh, that was our dog again. Sorry. She is a Mary Sue. Um, and I realized this, um, too late, I think, in the episode. I should have realized it as soon as she came on screen. Um, but in the Cybermen shootout scene, where she's somehow dodging five different Cybermen's blasts, and she's perfectly hitting them where she needs to hit them. While it's very, very evident that the actor has never held guns before in their life. And I would like to also point out this is quite dangerous in her condition. Oh yeah, that's very irresponsible. Yeah. Yes. Quote, unquote. Very, very. That roll at the bottom at the end. Yeah, I know. No, and then she gets blown back too when she goes into um, the jump. Well, I don't know if you know this, but that actually toughens babies up. Yeah. 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 Yeah, really give them a good jostling. The, um, what is it? The, like, placenta thing? It's going to be, like, hard as a rock. Like, it's just going to fall out like a rock. Yeah. I would not want to be her. That sounds painful. But she's a married she, too, so when, she'll get through it. Yeah, when she gives birth to the doctor. Someone will give her something at the last minute. And she'll just... For real though, like, if you think about it, like, she she gets put into the story with, like, no context at all. Mm -hmm. She's, like, really, really good at everything and does things that she shouldn't be able to with established canon characters. Like, she just makes it through the the fucking Dalek sector. Yeah. And that bit where she fucking gets away from, like, the deadliest killing machines in the universe, the things that brought the Time Lords to heal. She just climbs over a little doll. And she's fine. And then she flies out because she managed to get from that forest to the Lupari system and get the ship somehow. Well, no, I I, I assume that there was a ship just abandoned because she said it was um, a relic. So yeah, oh, I think it was an abandoned ship that she. Oh, was I see the problem there. <laughs> yeah, they didn't want to build two sets. No, yeah. They, they, they reused... blew the budget hard on something. I don't know what, but John Bishop. We, ha- we haven't seen it yet. Honestly, probably John Bishop was quite expensive. Maybe. Yeah, he's... I mean, these, he's these big effects mo- are really good, and I know Say it what you will about lot, John but... Bishop, but he is a big money player. He is very expensive. I genuinely think that might have been part of it. Maybe. I'm not sure. I don't know. But that's just conspiracy nonsense, though. There's no, <laughs> yeah, there's no well, actual we'll add evidence another for that. Conspiracy. Add another evil conspiracy. Dan. There's so many conspiracies, man. Hashtag evil Dan. But yeah, go back onto the topic of fan fiction. The fact that like the the Bell character is very, very suspiciously very sewish, as you were saying. Yeah. Um, Don't like that. This this feels like VNA fanfic. Yeah. In a lot of ways, and that's like a really bad thing to say. It's um. So, I've I've produced and consumed a lot of fan fiction, and there's this thing I like to call space mercenary syndrome, and um, it's it's infected the show too, like the TV oh. show a few times as well, yeah. and that is this obsession with like grim dark running around with guns, like morally quote unquote morally ambiguous, but really just unpleasant, mm-hmm. like space mercs. 
Yeah. Okay. Um, I think 80s Doctor Who really suffered because it started to fall into repeating patterns with these kind of archetypes. And I think it really, really disappoints me that after setting up the division as kind of like a replacement for the old CIA yes. in Classic Who, yeah. they're just guys with guns and body armor who have time grenades. Like, really? <laughs> I should add on to that, actually. Like, the, it just undermines the idea that the Time Lords are supposed to be these ethereal arbiters of the passing of one moment to another when the best that they can manage. I don't care, I'm making my point because this is. I'm going somewhere with this. I, you, she was just pointing really a hand like she had an imaginary watch and looking at the time because we've been going on for 40 minutes. But please let me get this out because it will destroy <laughs> me if I, if I don't get oh this out. God. Okay. Okay, so it's it's really weird how much this is like fanfic because the big like do 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 moment when the doctor asks Swarm what his motive is. Yeah. He says to reign in hell. Right. Which is a quote from Paradise Lost by Milton. Yes. Which is funny enough biblical fan fiction. That's my final thought. Yeah, with that, we'll uh, let that simmer mm-hmm. in um, in the walk. Yeah, well, we hope you enjoy all of Chris Chibnall's original characters. Do not steal. <laughs> this was uh, the best uh, Towers of a Time Lord fan fiction I've ever seen. Yeah. And for um, sure. yeah, for sure. Uh, and I'm sure the sun will rise on a better day. <laughs> We will see you on uh, part four. Part four. I think it's called Village of the Angels. Yeah. Angel of the Angels. I don't know. Angel of the Angels. Angel of the Angels. Just call me Angel of the Morning. Doctor Who and the Angels of the Angels. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye.